Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace, pastor of Redemption to the Nations Church. Listen, I'm grateful that you have joined us today for this message that God has given me to speak to your heart and to your life. I believe it's going to bring you strength and hope. I want you to pay attention. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray with you. Enjoy this message today. I believe there's a shift of allegiance happening. And I believe that the Lord is calling us to make sure we're up under the right king. Religion's not going to get the job done in this hour. Politics are not going to save our nation. This nation needs a move of God. And I believe with all of my heart, the Lord is calling our eyes to look upon the right king. And I want to preach about it for a few moments this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 22, and that is my message today, shifting allegiance, shifting allegiance. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, look at this, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was, how would you like to pastor this group of people? Everyone who was dis content, everyone who was in debt and everyone who was distressed gathered to David in the cave. So he became a captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. And David went from there to Mitzvah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the day, all the time that David was in the stronghold. Verse 5, and I'm through. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Look at somebody and tell them, do not stay in the stronghold. Do not stay in this stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. Ah, my Jesus. How many know God's calling us to Judah today? And so I want to preach today about shifting allegiance. May the Lord help us to understand the word of the Lord today. Father, speak. Give me clarity of thought. May my process of thinking and the words that I speak bring honor and glory to you. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that now rests upon us in this house. Those who are watching online, I thank you that we will hear more than our words, but may God speak over my voice today. And may the word of the Lord come to the house of God, to the people of God. May the word quicken people out of a place of defeat and a posture of heaviness and bring us into a place, Lord, of victory today. I pray for faith to be energized today. People who've stopped believing, God, I pray they'll start believing again in the name of Jesus. In fact, I bind the spirit of unbelief and doubt that has attempted to contaminate people and their faith. Lord, they're going to begin to believe your word again. Somebody is going to believe again today. And I pray, Lord, that you will move the church into position, that you will, you will position the church, God, for the move. And I thank you for what's going to happen in this house in Jesus' name. If you know something good's about to happen, somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If ever a text appropriately painted a prophetic picture of the moment that we're living in, I believe 
this text does just that. A brief survey of 1 Samuel will help us understand how we have gotten to this place that I read to you in 1 Samuel 22. Samuel connects the book of Judges with the book of Kings. It actually moves us from the ministry of Judges to the ministry of Kings. Before Samuel stood in the place of the prophet of Israel, Israel had been led by a number of judges. Judges whom God raised up to lead his people. Men and women who throughout the book of Judges, namely Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Isban, Elon, Abdon, and Samson were appointed by God to deliver Israel from her enemies. And in the ministry of these judges, they were anointed also by God to redirect Israel back to her purpose. But the turn of the page from Judges to 1 Samuel, a shift happens in the operation of God. And the shift would begin when a woman named Hannah would weep and pray, cry out to God until God gave her barren womb the grace to birth a man named Samuel. Samuel, God's man. God's mouthpiece through whom God would speak to the nation, a nation that was in transition looking for her identity, trying to find who she would become. Samuel was tasked with leading Israel in its selection of a king. In fact, God promised the people would have a king who would rule like a shepherd. But if you search the scripture carefully, you will discover that really God himself wanted to be the king of Israel. However, Israel looked at the nations of the earth, and how many know that God's people get in trouble when they start trying to look to the nations of the earth and replicate the behavior of the nations of the earth? And when Israel looked at the nations of the earth, they said to Samuel, we want a king like the rest of these people have. And they demanded a king, and it grieved the heart of God, and God told Samuel, and it grieved the heart of Samuel, and one of the most difficult and challenging assignments for Samuel in his life was the anointing and the appointing of Israel's first king. Enter Saul, who according to 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 2 was the most handsome man in all of Israel. In fact, the Bible says there that he stood head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel did. He fit the natural bill. He was charming. His size was intimidating. But no matter how tall Samuel is and no matter how impressed Israel is with his height and stature, don't ever forget this, the kingdom of darkness has always got a giant bigger than the flesh we're drawn to. They thought Saul was the man, but what they didn't know is that Goliath was bigger than Saul. Israel didn't need a king who was tall in the natural. Israel needed a king who had supreme authority, who had all power. And they never looked to God as their king. They wanted to find a man. So they appoint this man Saul as king. You ought to have known from the beginning it was a mess. The man lost a donkey. Lost a donkey and went to the most important man of all of Israel, Samuel, and used the prophetic gift of Samuel to help find the donkey that he lost. How many know you're a mess already? 
When you look at Saul's life, the 13th chapter and the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel are alarming because God gives a clear command to the new king. He tells him first to go and make a sacrifice to God and wait on Samuel to fight the battle. You know the story, Saul takes matters into his own hands in 1 Samuel chapter 13, completely disregards the word of the Lord. Flip two chapters later in the 15th chapter, God spoke through Samuel and told Saul, go kill the Amalekites, wipe them out, totally obliterate them, kill everything that has a pulse in the camp of the Amalekites. And the Bible says that Saul went and slew the Amalekites, but he let Agag, the king, live. Not only did Agag live, but as Samuel walked back to look at what had happened, he heard the bleeding voice of sheep, sheep that were making a noise that belonged to the camp of the Amalekites. And he says, what is this bleeding sheep that I hear? And Saul said, I wanted to bring the best that was left in the camp of the Amalekite, and I wanted to save these, these animals. I want to tell you right now, it didn't seem very significant, and maybe in hearing it, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Why would Saul, why, why, why would, would Samuel make a big deal of Saul not killing the sheep or not killing the king? He killed everything else. I tell you why it's a big deal, because it's different. It's an alteration from what God said. And God needs leaders who will not just lead and lead according to how they feel and what seems right, but leaders who will fulfill the assignment that God has put on their life. Let me tell every leader in here listening to me this, it's important that you do what God said the way God said do it. And Saul, because of his disobedient heart, and his arrogance, his pompous, his own, his confidence in his own flesh, the Bible says something very disturbing at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 15. It says that God tore the kingdom away from Saul. He literally pulled the kingdom away from Saul because Saul was not leading the way God had called and anointed him to lead. Now this is what is interesting and this is very important for you to understand if you're going to grab what I'm talking about today, you need to get this point. God tore the kingdom away from Saul, but Saul kept the throne. Literally, God said, you're no longer working for me, and yet Saul, in his arrogance, decided he would sit in a place of leadership. Without the oil and without the anointing to lead, and the crazy thing is that many people followed him. A failed leader who refused to repent, a person who disregarded the voice of God, a man whose priorities were image consciousness, and he did things that were right in his own eyes. And all of a sudden we come to 1 Samuel 22 and Saul is still sitting on the throne the problem for Saul is that behind the scenes when nobody else was looking and very few people knew about it, God was attempting and God was preparing a shift for the nation of Israel. And the shift that God had in mind was not an overt public display of approval. It was on the backside of a sheep field where God went looking for somebody who had a heart after God. 
and he didn't find a man that was tall and head and shoulders above the rest. When God went looking for someone who would bring a shift, he found a shepherd boy who was not afraid of a giant named Goliath. He wasn't afraid of a bear that stole the sheep or a lion that had attacked the, the flock. Oh, no, this young man had something that very few people in Israel did at that moment. David had courage. David had courage. David wasn't afraid. David was a man with a cause. David was a man with a heart after God. And we read in the 16th chapter that he took a stone and he put it in his sling. And when Goliath was defying the God of Israel and no Israelite wanted a piece of Goliath, David wound up a stone in a sling and he said, you come to me with a spear and a sword but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of heaven and he gave it a fling and it sunk in the head of the Goliath giant. He fell to the ground. David walked up and without a sword decided the best thing he could do is cut the head of the giant off and when he didn't have a sword he took Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. I tell you in this day God is raising up a church who understands that we got to get behind the king who has no fear, who's never lost a battle, who's took it, taken a sword and slayed the Goliath giant. I want to be real clear today that the king I'm talking about is not a preacher. It's not a bishop or an apostle. But the king that God has anointed for this hour is the king who has always been the king, who will always be the king. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. God anointed David. Oil ran down his body as he stood in front of Jesse, his father, and Eliab and Abinadab and all of his brothers, Samuel came to the house because God told Samuel the next king of Israel is in this house. God was sick and tired of a kingdom in chaos because it did not have the right king. And the Lord sends Samuel to Jesse's house and Jesse is all excited because the word of the Lord is the next king is in my house. How would you feel if someone come to you and said the next president of the United States is in your house? You'd perk up. Jesse, no doubt, was amazed, and he thought he knew which son it was. So he brought out Eliab, and he brought out Abinadab, and everyone that he brought out, the oil would not flow on any of those kings. And Samuel, a good prophet, almost made a bad mistake because he attempted to do what he did the first time when he anointed Saul, and that is he attempted to anoint after the flesh and according to natural sight. And Samuel almost put the oil on, on one of Jesse's sons, and God had to rebuke the prophet 
and remind the prophet that I do not anoint according to what I see on the outside. I do not anoint according to what I see in the natural. But if you're going to have the oil, it's because on the inside you are a vessel that has been sanctified, set apart, and meet for the master's use. I want to tell you this right now, that there is a difference. There is a difference between those who lead just because they have natural charisma, natural ability, natural skill, and those who lead because God anointed them, called them, and set them apart for his glory. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're gifted, it's not a, it's not a disqualifier. In fact, the gift that you have comes from God. But I want to tell you right now, it was never meant to be a crutch. Your strength and your gift was never meant to be something that excuses you from depending and leading or leaning on God. If you're gifted, if you can sing, if you can communicate, if you can preach, if you're a brilliant businessman or a brilliant business, whatever gift you have, use it for the glory of God. Don't ever rely on your own strength. Let God use you and give him the glory. David was anointed and he slayed Goliath the giant and the Bible says that he went back to the field. He defeated a giant and went back to a field. And Saul remained on the throne. And while Saul remained on the throne, it was one of the darkest chapters. It was one of the most divided chapters. In fact, on the battlefield, save one battle with the Philistines, in nearly every other battle, Israel was defeated under the leadership of Saul. The kingdom of Israel under his leadership was in chaos. And because he looked the part, people continued to follow him. This is where I'm afraid we are in the kingdom today. We've got people in the church flocking to a king on a throne. I'm just not sure it's the right, right king. Saul is sitting on the throne and he's head and shoulders above the rest. He's got the title. He's got the throne. The problem is he doesn't have the oil. And when you follow leadership and systems and when you follow movements that don't have oil, you can actually have people on a throne and lots of people following them. But if there is no oil, there's no blessing from God. And I believe the church is in a moment where she's going to have to decide and determine what king are we going to follow? What movement are we going to be a part of? What, 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 are we going to, what are we going to connect our lives to in the earth? Is it, a, is it a, a, a movement that is all about what we see in the natural? The glitz, I talked about it last Sunday. The glitz and the glamour of ministry. The crowds. <laughs> the approval of people. I tell you this right now, there is an alignment of religion going on. There is, there is a movement of religion going on in the earth that people are sitting in churches and they're blind to it, but they're aligned with it. 
They're listening to voices that do not come from heaven. They're listening to a version of truth that claims to be Jesus, but it cannot be the Jesus of this Bible. I'm not going to get no help today. I want to tell you right now, you better make sure in your heart that the voice you're following and the king you're serving, there's some oil on it. I, I don't just want to have, uh, uh, I don't just want to have a cool Jesus. I don't just want to have a, 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 it's something that is uh, uh, pleasing to the sight and draws me by what it shows me with my natural eye. I want to know that down in my spirit, I am connected to the anointed one and his anointing. I don't want to serve a king or be a part of a system that looks churchy and sounds religious, but is void of the power of God that changes the lives of men. I want to say this to you, and I hope you receive this. You can be churchy and be lost. You can be a member of a church and not even a citizen of the kingdom. And in this moment that we're living right now, there is a test of allegiance that is happening in the nations of the earth. Will you follow the kingdoms of this world or are you going to attach your life to the kingdom of God and surrender your life, submit your life, connect your life to the oily king who knows no defeat? I tell you right now, Saul may be sitting on the throne, but he is not God's king. There are people who have connected their lives to a cause, a system, a movement that has no oil on it. Now, let me just say this about oil, because you say this kind of thing, and you, you, you know, we preachers, we think we know what, that you know what we're talking about. What is he talking about oil? I mean the anointing. The oil in the, in the Bible represents the anointing. There is a difference when you follow the Jesus of the Bible. There's a difference between being connected to an authentic move of God and something that is religious. We have learned how to sit our kings on their thrones and pull out all the dog, uh, the, the dog and pony shows and all the tricks and impress the people and build crowds, and we think that that's the kingdom. But if you and I have any discernment at all, right now we're living in a moment where God is showing us if it can be shaken, it will. Things are shaking right now, and, and I don't know in my life of 42 years if I've ever seen such a shaking. Things and ministries and people and movements and whatever you want to call it, God is giving us an opportunity to evaluate our allegiance. Are we allegiant to a movement or a system or a thought process or a style or a way of having church? That is all about appealing to the natural senses. Nobody knows that Saul has been stripped of the kingdom because nobody has any discernment at all about the kingdom in 1 Samuel 22. They only see a throne and a man sitting on it and they think that's Israel. And Israel is not in a palace or a castle. Israel is hiding out in a cave. 
There's a king sitting on the throne of Israel and he has been stripped of his calling. He's been stripped of his authority, but he still has the throne. And some people are so shallow, they think because he has the throne, he must still be the king. But there is a king. The only issue is you will not find him in king's castle. He's in a cave right now. Why is he in a cave? Because Saul is seeking to kill him. Everywhere David turned for 13 chapters, Saul is trying to kill David. What's the point? The point is that religion is always trying to get rid of the oil. I'm going to preach today. I'm going to preach because the stronghold is breaking over regions. Strongholds are breaking over regions. Allegiance is shifting in this hour. And I want to declare to you that the move of God that is coming is not some river of this and a river of that. It's a river where the king is calling the shots and navigating his people. And he's moving us closer to the heart of God. So David goes to a cave in Adullam. While he's in a cave at Adullam, the Bible says that 400 men come to the cave. Can you imagine this? These 400 men were part of the kingdom of Israel. They had seen the leadership of Saul and they had gotten fed up with following a disqualified leader. They had gotten fed up with being a part of a fallen, defeated Shell of what it was supposed to be. Israel was a shell of what she was supposed to be. Why? Because she has brought her life and her submission up under a disqualified king. What is happening in the church in America right now? What, what is happening with people following stuff that Jesus isn't leading. Well, my Jesus, I'm not interested in your Jesus. I'm interested in following the Jesus of the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Religion has gotten very, very savvy and very, very intelligent. And it recognizes that most of us will not follow something whose Jesus' name is not attached to it. So now we get our own, we get our own agenda and we get our own message and we start our own movement and we put his name on our stuff so that we can deceive people who really want to follow Christ. But they don't know they're following doctrines of demons and it's leading people to hell. That's a lot right there, ain't it? How do you know if it's the real Jesus? Because if you listen long enough, they'll start giving away who they really are, what they really believe, and who they're really not. You got you to gotta stay around for a minute and listen to it. But if you hear it long enough, you start saying, that ain't the gospel. The gospel is not, oh God, I'm about to make a bunch of enemies, but let me just walk around and preach right here. The gospel is the death Pardon me, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is not your dog and pony show, your soapbox, or your agenda. The, the gospel is what sets men and women free. And I believe the Lord is tired of his name being hijacked for every man called agenda. And he wants his people back. And he wants his pulpits back. And he wants the church back. He wants it 
back. So, so we've got all these things that look and feel like the kingdom, or they're trying to be the kingdom, but they're not the kingdom of God. And David is down in a stronghold. 400 men come to him out of the kingdom that is following this false king and this defeated kingdom. And they say to a man in a cave, you're going to be our captain and our king. You know what I like about Jesus? When he builds his church, he doesn't go look for those who've got it all together. Now, he'll take you if you got it all together. But most of us don't have it all together. In fact, this is a picture in 1 Samuel 22 of how Jesus builds his kingdom and his church. And when he begins to build his kingdom, and when he begins to build his church, he starts calling for the discontent, the distressed, and those in debt. Whoa, what a way to win a crowd and influence people. <laughs> He's in a cave running for his life and this ragtag, ragamuffin group of mercenaries show up at a cave and they say, you're gonna be our captain because in that cave, we're about to become aware of how the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God does not operate in an impressive fashion. God refuses to have to impress people by putting them in castles and making everyone want to follow the king that's in a castle. God will hide the kingdom in a king and put a king with the kingdom in a cave. So that when people come to the king, I feel like preaching right here. So that when people come to the king in the cave, they did not come for the accoutrements. And they did not come for everything the king could offer them. And they did not come for the gold and the silver. Oh, the gold and the silver, it's coming a few chapters later. But right now I'm trying to find out who wants me. Not who wants me for what I have with me. Because all I got right now is a cave. But if you can see me as the king in a cave. A lot of people are chasing the king on the throne, but I came to tell you, you can find the king in a cave sometimes. And if you're willing to call him king when you're in a cave, I want to tell you, he'll bring you out of that cave. And when he brings you out of that... There are a lot of people who want to follow Jesus when he's sitting on the throne in a castle. But very few people follow him when he's in a cave with no promise of what he will offer you. God, help me preach. I'm thankful for 400 men who although their life was falling apart and they had nothing much to offer him, all he was waiting on was some men to show up in the cave. Don't miss what I'm getting ready to preach. Listen, this is where the momentum shifted in Israel. The momentum shifted in Israel when 400 men came to a cave and found the man who was about to be crowned king. And the Lord, I preached this week, this past week at a men's conference, and the Lord spoke to me in prayer, and he said, write down the word momentum. 
And I wrote down the word momentum. And right in the middle of the word momentum is three letters, men. And he said, momentum will not shift until men show up and say, Jesus is our king. And you can have Saul if you want him. If I got to go to a cave to find him, if I got to go to a foreign country to, oh God, help me preach. God is looking for some men who will show up and say, you go wherever you want to go and follow whatever you want to follow. As for me and my house, we will serve. Sisters, give me about 15 seconds real quick to find some men in this church. Where are the men? If you want to shift the momentum in this nation, we need some men to show up at a cave. Can I find me about 400 men in this building who will get to the cave with the king and say, Jesus, if you never give me another watch, if you never give me another car, if you never give me another thing, you're still my king. And wherever you go, I'll go wherever you lead, I'll follow. Oh, Bahashi. We want to change the nation from the outside in. God said, you're not going to shift this thing until you get some momentum. You got Saul on the throne. You got the nation in division. Read the Bible. The Bible said they were in, they're getting defeated on the battlefield. Everywhere they turn, they're getting their tail kicked, and it's because they're following the wrong king. But 400 men get to a cave and they say, you follow whoever you want to follow. The man in the cave is our king and we're going to follow him. I'm telling you, there's a shifting of allegiance going on. I am watching people get sick and tired of dead, defeated religion. They don't want it even if they got to go to, if, even if they've had to go to church to find it, they ain't going back. I said, even if they had to go to church to find dead religion, they're deciding, I ain't going back to that. Why in the world would I wake up on Sunday morning early and drag my children to the house of God and go through all of our hoops and three fast songs and two slow songs and a preacher and an offering and a deaconette smoking a cigarette, driving a Corvette to a dinette to preach a sermonette with no victory. My God, somebody is sick of that kind of thing and they want the same power that raised the dead body of Jesus to invade their house and turn their life around. That's why we gathered in this man cave today. That's why we gathered in this cave. We didn't come because of all the promises man makes. We came because the king of glory is in the cave and I came to tell him he's my king. And they're all in this cave and they're broke, busted, and disgusted. Messed up from the chest up beat up from the feet up, tore up from the floor up. I better stop. And David gets them in a cave, and here's how you know you're following the oil. Because you come one way, but the king in the cave begins to transform your life. 
Do you understand that those 400 men who came to David in the cave, if you flip about 11 chapters later, nine chapters later, they are the mighty men. They, they start out in debt, distressed, and discontent. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you know what the word discontent means in the Hebrew? It means bitter. Lord have mercy. I felt like the Lord put, my, put his finger on that in my heart this morning, and he said, talk to some people who come in bitter. Some of you are bitter today. Bitter from the problems. Bitter because of the disappointment. Bitter because you didn't get the nod or the approval or the promotion. Bitter because people overlooked you. Bitter because somebody didn't let you in their club. Bitter because somebody hurt your feelings. It got quite quick. Bitterness of soul. On the inside, you're bitter. On the in, you're coming to church because you know you need God. But on the inside, you're not in touch with him. And you've lost his voice because bitterness and blessing can't mix in the same bowl. And while you want to be blessed by God, your bitterness is out of control. And here's what I came to tell you. Don't run from the cave when you get bitter. Run to the cave. The only one who can heal you from your bitterness, the only one who can heal you from your brokenness is the king in the cave. Touch somebody, tell them, don't stay bitter. Uh -huh. You can stay a lot of things, but you can't stay bitter very long without it catching up with you. If you stay bitter, you'll lose your future. If you stay bitter at people, you'll lose your destiny. If you stay bitter, if you get poisoned and you say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm bitter? Take an inventory of what's coming out of you. Because if your, voc if your vocabulary and your words are bitter, if you're nasty and talking about people, lying on folk and tearing people down somewhere on the inside, there's a root of bitterness that the Holy Ghost came to yank up out of you and to set you free from today. You don't have to live bitter. And they whoop, and he came. A witness back there. He came. They came bitter, broke, and defeated. Distress. What is that, Pastor? You know what distressed is. We've been distressed. Some of you are right now. Stressed out. On edge. All torqued up. No peace. Chaos and turbulence. No joy. Distress. What do I do when I'm that way? Get to the cave. to the cave. Some people will tell you to run away from God when you get messed up. I came to tell you he's waiting on you to run to him. Broke. Broke as a convict. Not a dime in his pocket. Nothing for his future. Bankrupt personally. Where do I go when I feel like I don't have nothing? Get to the cave. Get to the cave. Why would I get to the cave? Because the king in the cave is the only one that can transform your future. And there are people who have been up under religion and the system of religion that has been implemented by a disqualified king named Saul. 
doesn't have the power to take the bitterness out of the bitter. It doesn't have the power to take the stress out of the distressed. It doesn't have the power to take those who are broke and in debt and bring them into a place of blessing. You cannot keep running back to the broken system of religion, being led by a king who is disqualified because he has no oil. You've got to get connected to the king and the kingdom, even if the king is in a cave. And let me say one more thing about that and I'm going to be done. You have to understand God always hides the kingdom. He doesn't advertise it in grandiose ways and say, here's the kingdom, don't you want it? Oh, no. He'll put the kingdom in leaven and put leaven in a lump and hide it. He'll put the kingdom as a seed in the ground and hide the kingdom as a seed in the ground and people will step on top of it. But underneath the soil, that seed is growing roots and in time it will become a tree and the birds of the air will lodge in its branches because God always hides the kingdom. There are people who will miss the kingdom because it doesn't look grandiose, glitz, and glamour. They miss Jesus because they wanted him to come in as a military leader that overthrew Rome and flexed his muscle and showed his military might, but he didn't come in on a white stallion with a big sword. He came in on a donkey and humbled himself because the kingdom will hide so that you come after the king not for what he's showing you, not for what he gives you, but can you love him just because he's the king? There are people who are sick of Saul. They're fed up with his system and they're leaving the kingdom this false kingdom under this false leadership mess and they're running to a cave to find a king. And here's what I want to show you. These 400 men come to a king in a cave. They start out distressed, depressed, and in debt. And before it's over with, they become mighty men. Mighty men of God. Why? Because when you spend time with the king, the king has the power to transform your future. And I want to tell you this right now, brothers and sisters, there are some people in this room who've tried religion and you are as screwed up after trying religion as you were before you tried it. And I came to tell you today, I come to tell you today, stop trying religion. Get your life aligned under the one with oil and shift your allegiance from broken religious systems to a kingdom who has a king who has oil from the top of his head. The Bible said that he was anointed above his brethren, all of his brethren. Jesus has the oil. And when you get connected to the kingdom of God, stuff starts shifting in your life. And those who were distressed, discontented, and in debt start getting promoted. Y'all better hear what I'm telling you. Uh-huh. There's not much promotion in a cave. But if you love the king who's in a cave, he'll take you with him when he gets to the castle. 
I'm getting ready to preach and I'm going home right now. But I want to tell somebody who started following Jesus before anything was attached to it, before anybody knew you, before you had a business card, a website, before you had a 501c3, a nonprofit, before anybody knew your name. You loved him when nobody else knew you loved him. You loved him when he was all you had and all you wanted. You loved him when your family didn't go to church with you. You loved him when people laughed at you and talked about you and they said, why do you keep going down to the cave? Because there's a king in that cave. My life is falling apart, but I came to make that man my king. I'm getting ready to bless myself. There are some people in this room today you weren't even supposed to be alive. The only reason you're still here is because of a king in a cave that took you out of darkness and put you into marvelous light. Somebody ought to quit acting like you got here by yourself and you ought to remember that you are a nobody going nowhere until you got connected to the king in the cave. Touch three people and tell them, neighbor, I met the king. I met the king. I had a past, but I met the king. I had a track record, but I had, I met the king. I've got some stuff on my record, but I met the king. And since I brought my life up under his oil, I've never been the... Stand with me, I'm through preaching. But I'm going to tell you this right now. There's, a, there's something happening in the earth. People are leaving systems, structures. I'm getting ready to make some folk mad, but I love you when I say it. Even denominations. Because they have not found the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord, he'll put, he'll put difficulty in your journey until you stop following dead systems, dead religion. And I'm not telling you everything in a, in a system or in a structure or even in a denomination is dead. I'm just talking about systemically in the nations of the earth. We have learned how to do church without Jesus. We have learned how to do church without the oil. We have learned how to do church without breakthrough. And that is not getting the job done anymore. There's a shifting of allegiance happening. And you might have to go to a cave to find him. But if you'll love him in a cave, he'll take you with him to the castle. And the last thing is in this text, he lived in this cave, David and these men lived in this cave for a number of months and would have stayed there in the cave, in the stronghold. Touch somebody, tell them the stronghold. But a prophet named Gad showed up to, and told David, David, you've lived in this stronghold long enough. Now it's time for you to get to Judah. God, I better be careful right here because I feel like I might start a riot of praise in this church. But I'm going to tell somebody, you've been living in a stronghold long enough. It's time for somebody to make up your mind. You're moving out of this place and you're moving to a new place. What is the new place God's taking me to? Touch your neighbor. Tell a neighbor God's calling you to Judah. Uh-huh. Tell them. God's calling you to Judah. If you want to know that it's, if you're, if you're ready to get out of a dead dry system, if you want to know if you're ready to get out from under an oilless leader. God said you got to take inventory. Are you willing to leave the stronghold and get to a new place called Judah? 
Somebody said, what is the significance of Judah? Judah means praise. And if you're going to get out of a stronghold and under the oil, you got to leave a dry place and you got to get to a place called praise. Somebody open up your mouth and make up your mind right now. I will not die in religion. I will not die in formalistic church. I will not have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. I'll put a praise on my lips and a clap in my hands. Somebody give God. Somebody send up Judah. Somebody send up Judah. I'm not living in this stronghold one more day. I'm not living in this bondage one more day. I'm going to get to Judah. Yes! Listen, I'm through preaching. Here's what I want to tell this house. Why would I preach this word in this house? Because I'm declaring and prophesying and establishing something. We will follow the oil. And we will serve none other than the holy oily king whose name is Jesus. I want to tell you right now, we're not going to get caught up in religion and we're not going to throw the brakes on now that we've grown and we've gotten bigger and now we want to impress people because now we're on TV and everybody's watching. I hope everybody's watching. I want to tell everybody who's watching, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. Nobody brought you out but Jesus. Nobody can lead you in but Jesus. Nobody can heal your marriage but Jesus. You don't need church. You don't even need another bishop. You don't even need another prophetic word. What you need is to get your allegiance shifted and come up under the rule and reign of the Lord and let the oil, let the oil, let the oil flow. How many want the oil to flow on your life? Lift your hands. Lift your hands if you come on, lift your hands up all over the building. I'm not talking about you want to be a member of a church. I said, how many want the oil to flow in your life? Ah, lift your voice and say, God, let the oil flow. Let the oil flow in me. Let the oil flow in my house. Let the oil flow in my family. If there's anything about me lined up with religion, pull me out of religion. Put me in the river. Oh. Oh. Hallelujah. 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 I don't want religion, Father. I want to surrender everything to the king that has oil. The king that has oil on his head. There is a shift in allegiance. And I prophesy this now. I believe by the Spirit of God when I say this, it's about to happen in our generation. You're going to see movements and structures and religious systems that have defined the church incorrectly. God has given it time to make adjustments and repent. 
But the Spirit of grace says they have refused to change their ways of operation and have grieved my spirit, says the Lord. And the Spirit of God said, I'm going to begin to align and I'm going to begin to shift and you're going to begin to see things that have been established be destroyed and uprooted overnight and those things which you did not even know will begin to be established rapidly for my glory, says the Spirit of grace. And I see people coming out of dead religion by the millions. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm about to bring revival even to the Roman Catholic Church. And I'm going to begin to reveal to them the error of their ways. And there will be many, says the Spirit of grace, who will hear this revelation that I will give. And the Spirit of the Lord said they will come out of their dead religion into a river. And the Spirit of God says to receive them when they come. For I'm transforming and bringing those up under my kingship and lordship, says the Spirit of grace. And even in this city, I agree and I hear it now, but even my spiritual father who continues to say this and now the Spirit of God is just reminding me of this and he's saying it again over this house that even in this city, the Latino Catholics that have lived under Catholicism, they're coming out of that and they're coming into the river of God's grace and mercy. And I see God beginning to build a movement a movement of Latino Catholics from this region, this city. It's not just in this house, but it's in this city. And God said, I am coming to them because religion attempted them to keep them from coming to me. So God, right now in the name of the Lord, we renounce dead religion and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And may my allegiance, may the allegiance of our hearts be to the King and to the one who has oil on his head, who is the risen Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Oh, God, I praise you. Uh, if you got to go and you got to get kids, we don't, we don't condemn anybody. We love you and we'll see you tonight at 6. You got to go. But I just want to seal this for a few moments right here. And I want some people who say, Lord, you're my King. Uh-huh, come on. I feel like sometimes my life is a cave. I feel like sometimes I wonder what's going on in this season. And God said, you still chose me even in a cave season. And you still kept me as your king. If, if that's your testimony today, and you would say, Lord Jesus, you're my king. I'm not aligning with religion. I don't want dead religion. I want the living Christ. On the inside of me, throw your hands up right now and just take a few moments and begin to worship him and establish in your heart, establish in your mind. Come on, establish your allegiance to Jesus with your worship right now. I just want the musicians to begin to play right there in that vein. And I want you to go for broke right now. Just lift your voice and begin to declare he is the king of your life. Come on, run religion out of your mind. Run religion out of your mind. God, I don't want religion. I want your glory. Just begin to worship him. Just play. Jesus, be lifted up in this room. Jesus, be lifted up in our hearts. Be exalted. Be exalted, oh God. Be exalted, oh God. What about my son? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, release the oil. Release the oil, God. 
Release the oil on our lives, Lord. If you're in this room and you need, you need to make Jesus the king of your heart, the Lord of your life, and you're away from God, you've never known Jesus as Savior, or you've known him and you feel a million miles away because you've turned your back on God, and today you want to come home. I don't care how jacked up and messed up you feel, how addicted or how, how bad you feel, or even how good you feel about your life. If you don't have Christ as the Lord of your life and the king of your heart, you want to bring your allegiance you want to surrender your life to him today. I'm counting to three for you. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to give my life to Christ today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right now, come on, lift your hand when I say three if I'm talking to you. One, two, three. I need to give my life to Christ. I see your hand, young man. I see your hand back there, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Everyone look at me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the person on your left and right. I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you never met them before today. Ask the person on your right and on your left this one question. Do you need someone to go pray with you in the altar? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, when your neighbor asks you that question, if you want to give your life to Jesus and come up under his lordship, I want you to come out of your seat right now and I want you to come to the altar and meet me right here. We're going to pray and Christ is going to save you. Ask your neighbor right now. Do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, come stand with me right now. Anyone at all before we leave this place, I want to give my life to Christ today. I don't want to keep living on my own. I don't want to keep living without Jesus as Lord. Anybody at all? I'm not coming to get anybody, but I know I saw hands. And if you lifted your hand or you should have, it's a good moment to get, yep. Come on, pal. Come on. Come on. Mm. Anybody? Anybody? Come on, sweetheart. Come on, clap and praise God. Give God praise. God bless you right here, sweetheart. Anybody else? I want to give my life to the Lord. Stretch your hands toward this altar right now. And people came to give their life to Christ, and we want to pray. Thank you for coming. I see you right there. Come on, pal. Come on, buddy. Come on. That's right. Come on. Hallelujah. I want to sing, I surrender all. Can we just lift our hands and sing that before we go this morning? Just put in a, a key for that if you don't mind. How many want to give God your yes before you leave this building today? I'm talking to Christians. How many want to just reaffirm your allegiance to the Lord and his lordship over your life today? You don't want to get caught up in, I don't want to get caught up in dead dry religion, form of godliness and denying the power of it. I want to stay under the, the rule and the reign of the king who's got the oil. If that's your testimony, throw your hands up and let's sing this hymn and just declare it before we leave this place as these brothers and sisters pray. Everybody sing, I surrender all. Come on, everybody sing, I surrender all. Give you my life today, God. Sing, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. One last time and we're leaving this place. Come on, everybody, sing, I 
surrender. I surrender all. Oh, I all to Thee, my blessed Savior. My blessed Savior, I surrender. Father, bless the word. Bless the people of God. Seal in our hearts every work that you've done today. And I thank you for this moment. Lives have been touched and changed and people have been saved and transformed. Seal it all, Holy Spirit. Get the glory, Lord, and keep moving, I pray. Lord, I pray for every family that you would bless them with traveling mercy and keep them safe and bring us back tonight at 6. Just move throughout the day. Draw us closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Go in the peace of God. And sing that one more time. Sing, I believe this message today is speaking life and hope to you in your journey. We wouldn't be bringing it to you today had it not been for faithful partners around this nation who are helping us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to leave us a prayer request, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv. Let us know how our team can pray for you. You'll also find a place there where you can learn more about partnership, how you and your family can help us continue to spread this good news of Jesus around this nation and around this world. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, God bless you. We're praying over you and your family today.